John, who would you have named the most outstanding player of the Grey Cup? Uh, can you pick a D- can you pick a position group? Is that allowed? <laughs> I don't think so, but it, if you want to, I I am fully on board for it and, and defend yourself, sir. I'm picking the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defensive line. At 100% was the reason that the Blue Bombers were still in that game going into the fourth and overtime. The Country 107 Morning Show with Dave Anthony. Well, I can't believe it's come to an end, but it does end on a high note. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Grey Cup champions once again, and I'm joined by a man who's got a Grey Cup ring himself, John Rush. Bombs away the final episode. Boy, the year went by pretty quick, didn't it, John? Yeah, it's actually kind of crazy that we're at this point in in the season and in kind of just like the world in general that uh, I didn't really expect it to go by this quick, I'm not going to lie. It, uh, it did. You know what? That game kind of flew by, too. And it's kind of the tale. You know, usually you can have a game in, in like, halves. It's a game, uh, a game of first half versus second half. But this is really the first three quarters versus the last. <laughs> so let's talk about the first three quarters. I just about threw things through my television at times. How did you handle the first three quarters of the Bombers versus the Tiger Cats when they were up at 19-10 after three quarters? What did you think of the first half? Uh, you know, it was uh, it was frustrating for sure, but I I never really got too concerned about anything, uh, especially when you know you see Zach throw those two picks, and it, it, it just it, it just doesn't even phase him. You know what I mean? Like he's he's unfazable, uh, and when you see that, when you're kind of like looking at the field and you're you're watching and. And, you know, just how dominant that defense, like, that defense was is insane. Like, it's just such, I, I, I it was frustrating because I'm like, man, like, this is just so much closer than it needs to be. Um, but I wasn't ever really, like, that concerned about it because of, like, how the players were handling it. Yeah, they never really got down. They never really got frustrated. They just kind of went about their business. Uh, before we actually break down, uh, you know, quarter by quarter, kind of what we saw, let's go all the way back to the beginning of this game. Not uh, not the, the ceremonies beforehand with the performances, although we'll break down the performances <laughs> later on. Boy, oh, howdy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's go to the coin flip, because uh, to me, that is like the first turning point of this game, is the Bombers won the coin flip. Who is the one that makes the call heads or tails for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? I know Big Hill says it, but who tells... Adam, what what the pick is? It's usually Adam. It's whoever calls it. Like before beforehand, they'll talk strategy about who they're gonna like what the like what they're gonna do if they win or lose and stuff like that. But um, they just let whatever guys calling it call it kind of thing. It's uh, there's not really a strategy behind the actual calling of the the coin flip. So Big Hill gets it correct. He defers, which is the correct play, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, yeah, especially, uh, and there's a lot of people that will, will argue this, and, um, like, especially, you know, with you, momentum, and you want to get up early, et cetera, et cetera, but when they're, like, the wind was the way it was, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people don't, like, get how much, like, wind affects a football game, especially when it's like that bad, it's enormous. It has an enormous implications on the football game. So, 
uh, it was 100% the correct call to to defer. And then that second half call, and a lot of people might argue this. They're like, oh, well, they didn't get, they didn't, because they took the win, right? In the second half, they, yep. instead of uh, instead of receiving. Yep. A lot of people would be upset about that. But that's not like, that's not the first time O'Shea's done that. I've been a part of games before where I literally didn't play a single play because I was on, uh, because I was on punt and kickoff return, and we didn't punt the entire game, and we uh, we kicked off both halves because of the wind. So, like, like it's it's it, O'Shea's known been known to do this, and it's not like it's his first time doing it, and it pays off. It's like a, it's a very smart strategic move because one, you had a quarterback who hadn't, hadn't, wasn't playing all week, right? Like, you had a – to start the game, you had a quarterback that started three games all year, and then in the second half, you had a quarterback who didn't take starting reps all week. You know, it, it was the right move to put them in a terrible position in the fourth quarter to, uh, to, tr- to have to win that game. Absolutely. And I think Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans appreciate – how much the wind can impact a game because I don't know if Caleros does what he does in the fourth quarter without that wind at his back. But we'll get to that a little bit later on. So Bombers get the wind in the first quarter and they put up uh, they, they put up four points. Not a great start when you have the wind at your back, right? Like you kind of expected them to maybe get a little bit more offense out of having the that wind in the first quarter. No, or am I mistaken? Yeah, no, that's yeah, it's a hundred percent. You especially because realistically, you don't want to have to take it in the second half. Like in the second half, if you're up by twenty one, twenty eight points, you don't take the win. You take the ball, right? You want more possessions, but you don't want like you don't want to have to give up those possessions. It's basically like if that's basically another turnover. You know what I mean? That's like adding on to the turnover ratio by not taking one one of your kickoff returns. You don't want to have to take it in the second half. You don't want to have to like take the wind, yeah. right? So uh, in order to do that, you have to get up early. You know what I mean? You have to put up points early. And by not doing that, uh, it, put them in a, it put them in a position where they had to they had to take the you know take the wind instead of taking the ball right which you know like we know with the turnover ratio puts them in a tricky situation so so yeah it, it, you're only getting four points with the wind in the first yeah that that was you know it because because then then you're like dang now we have to somehow put up a lot more points in the second with the wind in our face which is going to be a lot harder Right, you're just like you're just making it harder on yourself by doing those things, which eventually, you know, it, it turned out to be true because the second and third quarters did not go great for the Bombers. But uh, sticking with that first quarter for just a little bit longer, uh, the the kicking game was mentioned a lot on the broadcast. How Winnipeg came in with the worst kicking percentage by far in the CFL, and yada yada yada. You know, can Sergio Castillo, you know, make a difference? And you know, he kicks that first one, thirty-eight yards. Like that is. Huge, and then Mark Leggio with uh with a single. I mean, those are four really big points for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, just confidence wise, right? Yeah, no, hundred percent, and just you know, like 
you think about how the kicking was all all season, and even if you know, even if you know those guys don't get one of those things, you know the Blue Bombers lose, right? If you think about it, so uh, you, you can't be understated how important those those kicks were, and just seeing, you know, especially like a chip shot, like a thirty eight yarder, just having that and just being like, okay, like even just for Sergio's confidence, it like was massive. Right, it was it was it was big for his confidence, and then allowing him to you know just build on that the rest of the game was was huge. Yeah, we'll get to his tweet a little bit later on as well because there there's always a lot of emotional stories that come out after you know guys yeah. win championships. So we'll get to some of that later on. Uh, you talk about the, a 38 yard chip shot. That's pretty far with the wind at your back. It's a little easier. He starts the the second quarter with a 34 yarder into the wind though, and I think that really said a lot about his confidence and and the way that the bombers were were believing in him man cuz that's a big kick 34 yards into the wind yeah no 100% that and like we said like that wind was not forgiving either like that was a a heavy wind right so it's not like that was like an, you know that's not an easy it's not easy, it's not an easy thing to do in general uh, against the wind in a championship game <laughs> even more difficult so it's uh you know it it was great to great to see him be able to be able to hit that one and it you know really just as a like for the team yep. you know it really boosts the confidence in the team too uh you know having that you know you have a couple missed field goals in a game and it really brings the morale down it make, makes it really difficult to get back up after those absolutely now unfortunately in the second quarter for the Hamilton Tiger Cats they lose their starting quarterback, Dane Evans. Now, uh, there was some talk in the broadcast prior to him going down if they were going to make a switch, maybe before even halftime, and, and put Mazzoli in. But you never want to see a player go down. John, you've been a part of teams where you've seen you know, your quarterback go down, and he's kind of like the, the backbone of your team. What, what goes through Hamilton and Winnipeg's mind as they were seeing Dane Evans kind of lying there with an apparent neck injury? Yeah, it's just a really tough situation to be in, to be honest. Like, you never want to see that happen. And Dane, Dane's a really good guy, too, right? So, uh, you know, from looking at what, uh, you know, he's he's posted since, it looks like he had the injury a little bit beforehand, too. So, uh, you know, that, that's never something you can kind of you want to see a guy go down with. You know, injuries are bad in general, but neck injuries are, you know, even worse, right? You know, those are the scary ones. So, uh, you know, it was good to see him be able to get up, walk off, and and still do everything under his own uh, on own volition there. But uh, uh, you know, as a team, as a team, it's tough. But you know, the Tiger Cats are in uh, just one of the, like the weirdest situations ever, where uh, literally Dane going down means they put their starting quarterback back in. Yeah. So it's like you know, as a team, it's kind of like. It, you know, like if like if you're on the Blue Bombers and you have to put like a legitimate second string backup in, you're kind of like you know you might be a little bit more worried if like Zach Claros goes down or something. Yep. But um, you know, on the Tiger Cats, it's kind of like well, we're putting our legitimate first string quarterback back in, so this isn't really you know like, like I'm not saying like you know it, it was a good thing that Dane went down. No. You but, never want to see a guy go down ever. Yeah, it's not a um, step back where it's like, okay, the yeah. game's over. It's it's the second quarter and we're we're done because now we exactly. have to run and this guy can't control the game. Exactly. Mazzoli no, exactly proved. Mazzoli proved he's he's a starting quarterback in the CFL. 
But no, hundred percent, hundred percent. So it'll it'll be interesting for the Tiger Cats this this off season because, you know, I'm like I'm like they can't keep us. No, nope. they can't. They're both they're both starting quarterback quality, and there are enough teams out there that are desperate for a starting quarterback. Yeah. That they're like they'll they won't be able to keep both, and nope. unless they're willing to pay pay both of them starting quarterback salary, which would be absurd. <laughs> yeah, you can't really have 500,000 times. And I don't think either one of those guys wants to do it because you can't have two quarterbacks on the field, so they're not going to want to be in that situation. Well, exa- well exactly, right? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it, right? So, so yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason and, and uh, with with that situation. There's a couple quarterback you know, carousels happening around the league this offseason. That'll be interesting, but that'll be definitely one, one that'll, that we'll all kind of want to watch and see what, where these guys end up, actually. Absolutely. Mazzoli comes in and he uh, he gets that touchdown to close out the second quarter. And that for me, that as a fan, that's where it felt like it started to shift a little bit. You know, he comes in after an injury, he marches the field, he gets that touchdown late, and I, it started to feel like things were turning. Did you kind of have that feeling, or is that just something as a fan we, we kind of maybe put a little bit too much emphasis on? No, it did look like that on the field, to be honest. There, there did look like the momentum uh, was shifting uh, in their favor. Their their defense was kind of on a tear there, too. Uh, their offense, you know, like, was doing was doing very well. So, it, yeah, it certainly, it certainly appeared that uh, the momentum had shifted, like the winds had shifted, as they say. Uh, but that being said, you know, it – you know, life and sports is all about kind of how you react to those situations, and and that's that's where you know that's where you'll tend to see a lot of other teams get into a little bit of hot water is when the when the momentum shifts, how they react to it, right? And that's the difference between a good team and a great team. You know, a good team is is going to be good. You know, they can go fifteen and three. They can go you know, 12 and six, they can, you know, be Western or Eastern uh, final champs. But if they've never actually had to face adversity and respond to that adversity and get punched in the mouth and then punch back, then they're not a great team, you know, because that's, that's exactly it. Great teams respond to adversity. They, they get into those situations where, you know, you force a fumble and then the next play, your quarterback throws a pick, and then you have to go out there and go, you know, stop them. Like that's what great teams do. Great teams respond to adversity by, you know, on the field, right? And and that's kind of the difference that you you'll see. And, and you know, like that's the, that's the thing with sports is it's never going to go a hundred percent your way. It's impossible. It's just like life. It's, it's just not possible for for everything to be perfect all the time. So you know. For like it did it it certainly on the field it in on TV you could see that it looked like it had it was shifting and and I knew at halftime that the the Blue Bombers were going to make some adjustments to figure that out because um, because that's just how they are that's just how they're coached that's just how how they how they run their organization so uh, like it was it was like kind of concerning but like at the same time I was just kind of like well we'll see how they respond in the second half and and then we'll go from there kind of thing. Yep, and sure enough, uh, you know, they come out of the second half and, and they get a field goal. I mean, they march the field. They probably want it a little bit better than just three points, but, you know, he kicks a field goal. Uh, Castillo does the tied up 10-10. Uh, Mazzoli goes down, and again, that pass uh, to Brandon Banks, that was just 
that's just good quality football there. And then Winnipeg takes a safety. And that was a huge red flag for me in that uh, in that third quarter. I was thinking, okay, seven you can do, and then it goes to nine. And I know it's the CFL, and a lot of things can happen, as we found out later in the game. But were you surprised by that safety at all, or or did that uh, did that just kind of happen when you expected it to? No, yeah, absolutely not. I mean, the only thing that surprised me about the safety is that he didn't take more time off the clock because it was. It was, like, coming down um, in the third quarter. So it's like, man, we should have taken more time off that clock so that we're going to take the safety, we're giving them the ball back here, but we don't want to give them the ball back with, like, any time on the clock with the win. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that was the most surprising part about it, yeah. where he kind of just got it and immediately went down. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Yeah, he could have ran like, around the end zone and killed. The, he yeah. could have killed the 32 seconds, right, and just he ran out the back. 32 seconds and and potentially get a, a get a 15 yard penalty if like by like kneeling late kind of thing, try bait them into a penalty. Like, yeah, bro, like you know, like that, like that's just and that's and here's the thing, and we've talked about it a lot. That's the difference between a rookie and a vet. Yeah, you know what I mean, Justin Medlock. He knows that. Like, Justin Medlock's doing those things. And unfortunately, in a big game like this, thankfully, it didn't end up mattering and they still won. But here's the thing. It could have. You know, that mistake could have cost them. Yep. Right? So uh, that was the more concerning thing to me, um, that they, were, they still gave them the ball back with plenty of time on the clock with the win. I was like, yikes. Um, but that, that, was the, like, that was the right move to do that. Uh, given the scenario, given the wind, uh, given, like, I mean, if, if anybody was watching that, uh, so, like, him punt the whole game, like, with, like, into the wind, like, they were getting, like, they were netting maybe 25 yards. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so you're going to give, you're going to give Mazzoli, who's hot, the ball back on like the 30 or your 30 or 35 yard line. Yeah, like they're in field goal range the minute you punt. Exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. So so you know what I mean? Like maybe not. You know, maybe like make them fight to get at least get back into field goal range uh and and then like stop them from the seven point basically. Like like that like that's the right move because yeah, like you don't want to give them that right off the hop because and that's like that's the thing like like that's the thing when you know some sometimes fans don't recognize how much wind plays into a game yeah. because that's a, that's the exact scenario that happens is you you get screwed yeah you get screwed uh you and you have to make a decision like that where you're like okay well we're going to give them ball with in field goal range which gives them three points or we give up a safety which gives them two points but they also get the ball back you know what I mean? So it's like, well, good thing we have the best defense in the CFL. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it makes the it makes the decision a little bit easier because you're just like, well, uh, you know, we have confidence that our defense is going to, you know, stop them here if we do give them the ball back. Yeah. Uh, so so that uh, so that's you know that's that's the the rationale behind the decision. You know what I mean? Totally. And I, I you know what the broadcast drove me nuts in general. 
But uh, <laughs> one of the things that really bothered me was it, every time Hamilton punted it, it was, oh, it went off the side of his foot, and and it's 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 short because of that reason. And any time the yeah. Bombers punted, oh, it hit the wall of wind. No, yeah. they're kicking into the same wind. Yeah. Like, s- just stop it. Like, Winnipeg oh, yeah. made the smart play. Uh, it still freaked me out, though, because you go from a seven-point uh, deficit to a nine, but uh, it increased to 12 early in the fourth quarter. And that's when I think Hamilton fans started to get a little bit overconfident. And uh, we saw that one guy drinking out of the, the mock gray cup, and he's a meme now for, for all Winnipeg fans. Uh, then Winnipeg started to take over because you gotta, you got to feel like the Bombers weren't really the Bombers through the first three quarters because they did not look like the team that marched through the regular season up until Zach Calero started taking over. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, no, that's kind of exactly that's that's a pretty fair assessment i would say as well with uh you know with like everything that's been going on there was a lot of adversity to overcome for the the blue bombers right and yeah they 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 travel to the game there's a lot going on it's not your home field like there's there's a lot of steps and then and then you know and then mazzoli comes in kind of hot and and you know so there, it took them a while you know and don't get me wrong. It, it certainly took them a while to get going, but uh, you know, once once they get going, it, they're pretty unstoppable. So it's you know, it good to see. But yeah, they 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 really weren't the team that we'd seen all year in no, those first three quarters, right? Right, which was uh, you know, it, it it was rough to watch, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just glad they turned it on that fourth quarter. Absolutely, and you know what? All credit to Hamilton. Because they really took the Bombers out of their game plan. Like, Harris couldn't get anything going. Uh, Caleros was rushed out of the pocket. He got a lot. uh, You know, he got touched a lot in the backfield in this game. Like, there was... Hamilton was on fire through three quarters. And then things started to tilt. And you could tell Hamilton... Like, in hockey, we we would say they started to grip the sticks a little bit tight. I think... uh, the, the Hamilton Tiger Cats started to play defense a little bit tight. They were they were afraid of making mistakes, and the Bombers took advantage of it. Well, that's kind of that's kind of it, and, and that's exactly what you said. You know, like the Tiger Cats came out swinging. They were throwing haymakers, like metaphorically. They weren't throwing them on the field, thankfully. <laughs> um, yeah, they're not the uh, they're not but, the Rough Riders, John. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they. Uh, they, but they came out swinging, and 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 they 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 connected. There's no doubt that they connected with a couple of the draws out there. You know what I mean? The, the Blue Bombers took some shots in those first quarters, like like you know, like you said, like Harris took some shots, uh, Caleros took a bunch of shots, and like it was you know it was rough. That they did a good job of getting pressure on them and, and game planning up their their offense and stuff, and it was. You know, it was that was kind of the tail of the tape, right? Where it was, uh, it was a it was a hard defensive battle with between both teams, right? It was, you know, it was really it was a battle between the D lines, you know. Yeah, essentially what it came down to. Yeah, and all credit to Hamilton, man. Like they were the better, yeah. they were the better D line through a lot of that game. Hundred percent, you know, hundred percent, but. You know, by the fourth, you could tell they were burned out. Yep. You could and tell, like, they, had, they had their hands on the hip. They, they weren't built for it. No. Nope. They weren't built for it. They, they were built. That team was built to be already in a position where they're winning games by that point so they can coast through the fourth. Yep. They, that, they don't go against teams that 
continue to burn them into the force. Yep. You know what I mean? And and that's like that's the difference. That's that's the difference between a good team and a great team. And you kind of you kind of you got to witness that on on the weekend. Is you know it's that's football is a four quarter games, right? You gotta you gotta play for four quarters, or you know you're not gonna win that game. Absolutely. So it, was, uh, it was pretty. It was pretty. Uh, it was pretty. You know, stressful. A lot more stressful than it needed to be. Hundred percent. But uh, but yeah, the Blue Bombers, you know, they pulled it off. Yeah, right? <laughs> sure did. They're the ones bringing the cup home. Uh, Nick Dembski with a big touchdown reception. Uh, I will be honest, that little move he made uh, to to kind of go the the stutter step and into the end zone that was that was beautiful, scary but beautiful. Uh, Castillo again uh, hits that field goal, and in between one of the strangest plays, and it will probably go down as one of the biggest blunders in Grey Cup history, at least from a fan's point of view, John. But as a former player, what did you think? When Tim White knelt in the end zone to give up that single point to make it a 22-21 game in favor of the Ticats at the time with five and a half minutes to go, what did you think when he knelt for that single point? Yeah, like, here's the thing, you know, and don't get me wrong, like, I, I get it. I'm, I'm a strategic football player. Like, that's how I played. I understand the game. Like, that's the only reason I made it so far in football is because I understood the strategy of the game. So I knew where to be before things happened. You know what I mean? So, like, that's the only reason I was ever good at football. I was never more athletic. Like, you put me against, you know, you put me against, like, Teddy Lawler or Andrew Harris or Mike Miller, like, you guys are going to destroy me. But, like, the only thing I could ever compete on any of it with was just being in the right place. So, like, you know, I had a bunch of fans arguing with me about this. And it was absolutely the wrong move by this kid. Not only, not only that, like Orlando Steinhauer came out and said it was uh, like a player decision. And here's the thing: I don't know, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of their organization. I don't know his coaching style. I don't know anything like that. But at that point in the game, in the Grey Cup, to not even have that, like, I, I don't know if like he had the conversation or not. But you can absolutely not put that decision in the hands of the player. Right. And so it's 100%. And if they didn't have the conversation, that is squarely on Steinhauer's shoulders. That's 100%. on him. No, exactly. 100%. Like, so I don't know if that conversation was had. Like, I don't know what happened there. But he said it was the player's decision. And, and that was, it was the wrong decision. It was the wrong decision. And people were like, oh, like, how can you tell? Like, because here's the thing. In the CFO, you, it's not the NFL. Everyone always, it always frustrates me. People always think they're like, oh, so he maybe gets it out to the 20. Like, man, have you watched the CFL football game at all? They return it more than more than the 20. They have a bigger field to cover. Like, the average return, especially during that game, was to the 30. Yep. He kneels it in the end zone. He gets it at the 35. So even if, let's just say, even if he took it out to the 25, he gained an extra 10 yards and gave up one point. That trade-off is astronomically terrible. And everyone's like, well, they were going into the win. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> like, that absolutely does not matter at that point. Like, especially considering, especially considering that they got down to, to first and goal. You know what I mean? Yep. 
So that that ten matter that ten yards that he he gained by giving up a point ended up being inconsequential. And yep. you know, and, and people would be like, "Yeah, well, what happens if you only got to the forty or you know the fifty, and then they needed those ten yards?" It's like doesn't matter. Nope. Absolutely doesn't matter. You know, you 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 have to believe. You know, you know what that decision was. That decision was not believing in your offense. That that's exactly what that decision was. It was I don't think our offense is going to be able to drive down the field and get into field goal range. And that that's exactly what happened, and that it's exactly what lost in the game was not having that confidence in their own team. And you know, and again, it's a hindsight view, and I, and I am biased when I when I say this. Mike O'Shea would have never said it was a player's decision. No, absolutely not. He would have. That was yeah. Yeah, he would have worn it. He, regardless of what happened, he would have worn that on his, and he would have been the first man out there to say, "Nope, that was." That was my call, or you know, that's my miscommunication. That's uh, yeah. He would have never said it was a player's decision, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. Yeah, no, that, that that I thought was like, you know, what the heck, right? Yep. So uh, you know, whatever. Um, yep. Again, we weren't but, we're not in that huddle. We're not in that uh, locker room or sidelines. I mean, and again, like the I I texted you after. It's like, man, I got a lot of respect for for Steinhauer for standing in yep. there and answering those questions after the game because. Because man, that that's gutting. Like, but we'll we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, Castillo, a huge forty-five yard field goal to make it twenty-four uh, twenty-two, and then uh, again that single point to make it twenty-five twenty-two, and then really the most nerve-wracking drive <laughs> of the game. Because uh, I thought the Bombers had him stopped at midfield when it was uh, you know on third down. I thought they played it defensively perfectly and. You know, he makes that catch. It is what it is. And then that throw to the end zone. That whole play was designed for them to win that game, John, and fingertips stopped them. What did you see on that play? <laughs> fingertips is a, you know, they say it's a game of inches, and, it, and and here's the thing. When you get to the pros, it really is. You know, when you, when you get to the pros, it's 100% a game of inches. And, and the interesting part about that is if, that receiver catches the ball properly, he catches it and wins the game. He tried to catch it with his body to, to make sure it was a secure catch. If he had his hands out uh, and in front of him and catch, caught it, there's no way the DB would have been able to get his fingertips on that ball, and, and he catches it and wins the game. And, and that's the difference. And, you know, we say it all the time. That's the difference, and, and you see it You see it. This, you know, there is sometimes people don't understand the difference between like a ten-year vet and a guy that's out of the league in a year and a half. There, it's not that different. It's things like that. It's literally just that. It's getting to the first. It's you know when you're second and eight, making sure you got to the first down marker to get the first down when you get the ball. You know what I mean? It, it's really the small things, and so many people don't get that. Um, but you know, if it, it, it's crazy that the, the Tiger Cats had so many opportunities to win that game, and they kind of just shot themselves in the foot and just couldn't couldn't pull it out. You know what I mean? And you know, it sucks to see for them, but you, you know, it's to our benefit. So. Yeah. So 
It doesn't suck that bad, but yeah, exactly. It is tough for the Hamilton fans, though. I mean, they've waited twenty plus years, just like the Bomber fans have been waiting, and it was all set up for the for the Tiger Cats to win. They're the underdog, and they're at home, and yada yada yada. The Bombers just were the better team when it counted, and uh, overtime showed the Bombers were the better team because they just imposed their will both offensively and defensively. Andrew Harris, you know, a huge stud in overtime. I mean, of all the times to step up. He was the difference maker in overtime, right? That's yeah, hundred percent. And 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 you kind of see it, and like you know, like what I was going saying earlier with the tire cuts aren't built to go that long, yep. and the blue bombers are. That's the you know, it's a simple fact of the matter is you know, you, and you know, people are like, oh, you know, the tire cuts won the first three, and then you know, the blue bombers won the next two. It's just like, yeah, they won when it mattered because they had the stamina. They had the, you know, and people are like, oh, like the Blue Bombers wanted it more. No, it has nothing to do with them wanting it more. You, you can't, you absolutely cannot say that the Tiger Cats didn't want to win that game. Absolutely. Like, that would be an insane thing. To, yeah, that's to, an to, idiotic to statement to make. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it's, the Blue Bombers were just built yep. to do that. They were built, they, in, in practices, they practiced those exact scenarios. In their conditioning drills, they they are conditioned to do that. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it like they're they're just built to be in that position and win that game. So it's you know that's like and that's the difference. Like I said earlier, that's the difference between uh, you know a good team and a great team. You know Hamilton, very good team, no doubt about it. Lots of talent. They just lack. There's just a lot of things they lack. You know, they lack that that stamina. They lack that um, ability to keep going through the force and overtime. And 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 it's you know it was very apparent in that game that in the force and then right into overtime they just got steamrolled. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So uh, you know that's the, and that's the that's the huge difference I think. Absolutely. Um, Calero's beautiful pass to Darvin Adams with that 13 yard catch, and then uh, almost like a very similar play for the two point conversion where Rashid Bailey just kind of got open and uh and they they capitalized and then you know the defense holds up and and just take us through what you saw on the game closing interception by uh Kyrie Wilson what did you see on that play and and did you know it was an interception right away uh I had a pretty good chance or I had a pretty not chance but I had a pretty good idea that it was an interception because of how the blue bomber sideline reacted but like I was like I couldn't tell a hundred percent because I'm like <laughs> I'm like, man, like this is this has to go to review because like it looked like when it hit Winston, I'm like, did it hit the ground? I'm yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, like that would be like the last thing you know you want is your, your sideline to freak out, um, and then it, it actually hit the ground, and then it's just like that's it got such a deflating moment, you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Um, that being said, uh, man, was it? Well, I think it was Nichols. Yep. Nichols had it. Yeah, like, he did. <laughs> did not need to be that dramatic at all. Like, Nichols, dude, come on. He like, probably should have had the one in the end zone, too, to close out the fourth oh, quarter. 100%. So. Like, come on, buddy. You're like, he's he's wearing my old number. Like, and, and, like, granted, he is he is a much better football player than me. He came in as a rookie and, you know, killed it all season. Uh, but come on, man. You got it. Like, you got it. it. It literally hit you in the chest. So, um, you know, it was. 
you know, it didn't need to be that dramatic, you know, <laughs> like it did not. And, uh, you know, thankfully, you know, and, and that's, here's the thing. Here's the thing that a lot of people probably wouldn't recognize about this scenario is Kyrie should have been nowhere near that ball. Like there was absolutely no reason for Kyrie to be close to this football. The only reason he was is because that defense is taught to pursue relentlessly to the football for this exact scenario. And that's what I mean by the Blue Bombers are just built differently than these other teams because other teams wouldn't be there. You know what I mean? Like, he's the weak side. Like he should have been, like, probably 15 to 20 yards away from that ball, but when he saw the ball thrown, he rushed over there to either, you know, get it on the tackle, to try and strip the ball, or get the luckiest interception, um, you know, of his career, right? It's like it, he should have been nowhere near this play, uh, but because of how they're built, he was, and it and it pays dividends in the Grey Cup, right? That that's that's kind of exactly what I'm trying to get at here. Absolutely, and you know what? Uh, one of the the late additions to this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team. Maybe it'll go unsung, but uh, I, I think that uh, Winston Rose, with that play, he knew exactly what he was doing. He timed it perfectly, and he, he gave that up. He, he could have tried to make the catch on his own, but I think he, he passed that to, uh, to Kyrie knowing full well what he was doing. That play should get a lot more praise than maybe it's getting. It's getting a lot, but I mean, I think that may be one of the best plays in Blue Bomber history. Yeah, it's probably up there. That's for sure. And you know, whether whether Winston was trying to like keep it up for himself, or you know, if he could see Kyrie coming in in the background there, you know, that's uh, that's something that only you know he knows. But uh, uh, but yeah, it was an incredible. You know, that's what I say. You know, when you know, I had you know, athletically, I had no no reason being on that field when you when you know you see guys like Winston Rose and, and Kyrie and things out there. You know, I I don't compare athletically to them. You know, and that's what I mean. Like these these guys are freaks of nature. It's just like the 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 ability to you know have the wherewithal and body control. Like because Winston was literally falling to the ground as he did this. Yeah. You know, like to literally have the body control to be able to do that while you're falling to the ground is an absurd feat of athleticism. And it's just you know it like it. I think a lot of people don't really take that in sometimes is, is how um, um, how how athletic these guys are sometimes like it, it, it I'm like and if you don't if you don't if you don't think it's that athletic why like why don't you go outside right now and try and do it and then see how difficult it is and put 30 pounds of equipment on and then have you know 30,000 people in the stands screaming at you and and then tell me yeah, and then tell me how how easy it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I have another like two hundred and twenty pound guy running full steam towards you while you know you're trying yeah. to stay safe. You know, it's just yeah, it's it's far more athletic than I think. But I think people understand. Like legitimate football fans know how athletic of a play that was because he's outstretched. And in, in, in my opinion, he has it in his hand and he kind of just shovels it over to to Kyrie for the catch. But I think I think fans really do appreciate the split-second decisions that uh, players on the field have to make. And that was one of them that makes a huge difference. I mean, Hamilton had those split-second decisions, too, to win the game, John, throughout this contest, and they guessed, and they, and they were wrong. Winnipeg had this, the split-second decisions, and they were right, and that's the difference. 
Yeah, you know what I mean, and that and that and ultimately that comes down to coaching. Yeah, you know I mean that it all all that is all that does is it comes down to coaching, and and you know it, it can't be. It can't be understated how much uh, you know work and prep and emphasis these coaches put on these players, and and how much you know how much time they spend with them, and and to make sure that when these you know some people might think it's you know uh, you know the, I knew the Argonauts were never going to win. Everyone at the start of the season was talking about how good the Argonauts were and how they're going to win the Grey Cup, et cetera. Now, like you know how I know they're not going to win. It's because, yeah, they're a very good football team, but I know for a fact that their coach is spending absolutely zero time on just, like, basic fundamentals by how many penalties they're taking. Yep. How, they, they were, like, one of the most penal, penalized teams in the league, and I'm like, that, that right there tells to me he is only focusing on X's and O's, and when it comes down to it in crunch time, that is exactly why they're going to lose, and look what happened. They lost in the East final. You know what I mean? And, yep. and and that's the difference. You know, that's the difference. You can have a good football team. Saskatchewan's always a good football team, but they never focus on the little things. And, you know, they're, so all the Saskatchewan fans out there, like, you want to win a great cup, you want to win a championship, you know, you got to focus, like, you're going to stop being the most penalized team in the league year after year because that's just a, a clear reflection on, um, on not only your players but your coaches. Yep. And and what they're focusing on, and that that there's you'll win games. There's no doubt about it. You'll win games, but you won't win the big game yep. doing that. And and you know one glaring, what you just want to you want to just look at one glaring example is that is that absolutely boneheaded move that 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 O line on Hamilton took on yep. Winston Rose as a 15 yard penalty puts them in second and 20 something. And and you know what I mean, and, yep. and they they obviously don't convert, and, and that was that was a crucial moment. That was an absolutely crucial moment. They yeah, had was, the first down, yep. and then they didn't. It was second and sixteen because they were one. They had a nine yard reception, and then he just uh-huh. he, he went red red ring for a moment, and he that's an that step sets him back, and that's it. Like that's the end of that yep. drive. It, well, exactly, hundred percent, and 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 that puts them out. That puts them out of field goal range. That puts them out of. So many things for one selfish move that had no effect on literally anything. I'm 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 almost gonna guarantee you, Winston Rose and that guy probably never crossed paths even one time during that game. <laughs> it was a completely selfish decision, yep. and that's the unnecessary roughness penalties are almost always selfish decisions. And here's the thing: I had a coach in college tell me once. He's like, if you take an unnecessary roughness penalty in the first quarter. I won't be happy, but, you know, things happen. We'll get over it. He's like, if you take an unnecessary roughness penalty in the fourth quarter, he's like, you better not even bother showing up the next day because absolutely unacceptable. You are putting yourself 100% before the team, and that's inexcusable. And that's exactly what that kid did, and that's exactly the difference between, you know, how many penalties did the, the Blue Warriors take in the fourth quarter? I'm pretty sure it's zero. You know what I mean, and that's the difference between great teams and good teams. Is these you know these teams that are just undisciplined? They don't focus on the on the the small things. They just it. They can't. You, you can't compete against a team that does. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, penalties in the game: four for forty yards by the Bombers, eight for sixty-five by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And again, 
if you I know you're not a stats guy, but if you look at stats, that is one along with turnovers that really do tell a lot of a football game. Hundred percent, hundred like there there are some stats that matter. You know, I do hate stats, but like there <laughs> there are some stats that matter. Um, the the penalty stats is a hundred like one hundred percent one of the ones that matter. Um, especially because if you get so many if you get so many penalty yards that it's like a hundred, that that essentially equates to a touchdown for the other team. Yeah, that means you gave them so many yards that they were able to get a full football field on you. You know what I mean? So. Um, not to mention, you know, you're ex- you're extending drives, so it realistically equates to probably more points. Yeah, and right? sure, and so, sure enough, yeah, like that. That's again, you talk about a game of inches. You're giving teams yards and major yards when any when any time you take a penalty. Exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? And and so you know, for for Hamilton's O lineman to you know take a 15 yard penalty for absolutely no, it's just like just selfish, man. You just yeah, absolutely. And you know, and I know, and I know that guy feels terrible about it today. Sure, I'm 100. percent I guarantee it. He feels garbage about his decision. Yep. But you know what? Like, uh, you know, you always you always hear about how uh, you know you always hear about uh, you know women being so emotional. It's just like, yeah. Have you ever watched a sports game? Because that guy was 100 percent being like just being completely emotional. Yep. Like was not thinking clearly or logically in the slightest. Because if he did, like he would have never have done that. You know, that's a clear penalty. It's been in the rule. It's not like a new rule. It's been in the rule book for at least five years now, and it, it just was unnecessary. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. It, it's just like, bro, what were you? What were you thinking? Like, and and the thing the thing is, he wasn't, and, and that's the difference, right? So yep. it's it's, un, it's unfortunate to see, but you know, for me, I. I'm glad Winston didn't get hurt. Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you know, I'm, and I'm glad that he did it because it, it ended up you know playing in our favor, right? Yep. Again, it's all those those play every play throughout that game, and you can watch the replay of that entire game. Every play made a difference one one way or the other to Winnipeg winning that game, and it's it's not always the case in, in football games, but you can watch in almost every detail of that game. It it leads to something that allows Winnipeg to to win that game the way they did. Uh, so, John, the year that you won the Grey Cup uh, in 2019, a little different. Uh, I think you you had the game pretty well in ha- in in hand as the as you're watching the clock run off. This time, it's a little different. It's on an interception. Uh, what is the elation like, you know, from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Just just take us down to what it's like to win that Grey Cup. Like, take us through the moments after the game's done and, and what the Bombers were going through being champions again. Yeah, like, honestly, it's it's pretty it's pretty tough to put that into words and and to um, you know to to describe those feelings because it's just so it's such a crazy feeling you can hardly believe that it's even real. You know what I mean? You feel like you're almost dreaming when it's happening, and uh, you know I'm sure for guys that have that are going through it for the second time now, it's a it's a little bit uh, um, old hat as they say, but uh, you know it it. Seeing the seeing the smiles on those guys' faces, uh, you know, even the guys like you know, I, got, I, I was I was watching the crowd and the and you know, seeing the post online and seeing like you know Mike Miller and how pumped he was and, and things like that. It just it never gets old, you know, seeing how how happy this makes the guys to 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 all that hard work they they put their themselves through, like all the all the you know injuries and bumps and bruises and and you know coaches yelling at you and. and you know, rough, rough patches that you go through in a year for it to finally come 
to a to a climax, you know, is it can't be it can't be understated how how intense the emotional feeling of this is. And to have your name etched on that great cup for forever, you know, a great cup that only a few thousand other people's names are on is uh it's a pretty crazy thing to put into to thought and a lot of people don't kind of get that a lot of people you know it it's there's so much going on you know it, it, it's hard to it's it's hard to take all of these things in all at one point you know what I mean it's it's you know so for some of the guys that have done it before that have you know got it it's they kind of know what's going on and uh, they they know what to expect and things like that but for you know some of these guys that are winning it for the first time here it's just it's such a it's such an unbelievably overwhelming emotional experience. You you honestly almost don't even know how to how to act or what to do. You're kind of just being shuttled around and being told what to do by people, and uh, it's it's intense. It's intense, and it kind of just goes by so quickly. You wish it could last forever, uh, but it it goes by so quickly. It, it's it's hard to take in everything. You know what I mean? It's it's hard to it's to, to breathe it all in and mm-hmm. to, you know, it, it, celebrate with everyone you want to celebrate with. And, um, you know, you, you, you don't want to plan. It, it's hard because like, you don't want to plan for winning because yeah, you know it's, what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like, it's like a weird thing to plan for. Yeah. Cause but if you're you superstitious, you do not, you do not plan to win. <laughs> well, exactly. Right. You, you know, you, if you're superstitious or whatever, but like, but even that, like you don't, you don't really want to have a plan for 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 winning, right? Because you know it's like one of those things. Like if it happens, it happens. We'll figure it out. And that, like, let's just focus on the game. And that's kind of what it is. And uh, so, so you know, it's so after when you win, it's kind of like it's kind of a dog show because <laughs> <laughs> no one has a plan. You know right. what I mean? And you're kind of just like, oh my god, we won. What now? <laughs> and it's like uh, you know, it's. it's you know, and like I said, you know, that's the second time the Bombers have won it, so I'm sure it, they're, they're a little bit more uh, seasoned this time. Yeah, a little uh, bit more organized, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it was a little bit uh, more organized this time than the last. But uh, uh, you know, emotionally, I know the guys are just. There's just so many emotions happening that it's just, uh, you know, it's, a, it's just a very overwhelming experience. Well, that breaks down the game. I do have a number of topics that I want to get into. Uh, we'll try and go through them uh, somewhat quickly here. Uh, one of the, the neat shots after watching the Winnipeg Blue Bombers hoist the Grey Cup was just how empty the stadium was. And boy, did Hamilton fans bail out of, of that stadium relatively quickly. But a lot of Bomber fans stayed. I know a lot of people from Manitoba were there cheering on the Bombers. How cool is that? You know, for the players to still see a lot of blue and gold in the stands, you know, after all the celebrating is, is still going on. Yeah, no, you, you love to see it. And that's, you know, that's, you know, one of the things that a lot of guys love about the organization is, is how much you, you play in a city that actually cares about football. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it's great. It's great to get paid to play football. It's great to, you know, be a professional athlete, yada, yada. But if you play in a city that no one cares about, it's not fun. No one likes that. That's no. not. That's not. You know. That's not like something people enjoy doing. You know what I mean? So, um, so for the players, you know, to to have that support, and, and, and like we know, we know we have that support. We feel it in our own city. But to see it, see them come down to the Grey Cup, it's just 
you know, it's just so great and so reassuring that, you know, we really do have the best fans in the CFL. It's, it, it can't be, you know, no one, no one can even come really close to us, to be honest, that we really do have the best fans in the CFL. There's, it's not really a competition. And, uh, you know, that's why so many guys decide to stay here. It's yep. just such a great community. You know what I mean? There, there's, there's the love of the Blue Bombers, uh, you know, the love of football and sports in general in this community. It's just so great that um, the, the guys love it. You know, it, it's, it's so, it makes, it makes, you know, being a pro athlete that much better. Yep. You know what I mean? It, it makes it, like, actually mean something. It makes, makes it worthwhile. It's like, it makes it more than, it makes it more than just about you, yeah. right? Having that community back you, and as opposed to, um, you know, as opposed to having, like, no fans in the stands, like, that's not fun. No. You know, like, okay, like, yeah, like, I'll go play for the Argos, and, you know, we'll have 5,000 fans in the stands, and, you know, like, no one cares. Like I had more, I had more fans come out to our Guelph homecoming game. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's that's not fun. Like if I if I'm going to play in Toronto, it's because I want to get paid and like I want to get paid and then I want to get out. I don't yep. care about anything else. And, and completely selfish. And and you know so be it. Some guys are, some guys want that. Whatever. Yep. I'm not blaming them. Their own. You know, oh, that's right. Yeah, do whatever you want. But like for us, you know, the Blue Bombers, and you know that's why we have such a good organization now. Is and it, it, it's because of the fans. Because guys want to play here because of the fans. So to see that after the Grey Cup, you know, it, it, it's just really amazing to see. That is that is really really true. Uh, there's a few more topics I want to get into. We're still going to talk a little bit about uh, the entertainment, of course, that we saw prior to and during halftime. We'll get into retweet or delete as well. Uh, I do want to get into the uh, the MOP and the the top Canadian discussion. I've built a defense just in case your picks maybe go against. <laughs> I built a wee bit of a defense here. Uh, in your opinion, John, who would you have named the most outstanding player of the Grey Cup? Uh, can you pick a de- can you pick a position group? Is that allowed? <laughs> I don't think so. But it, if you want to, I I am fully on board for it. And, and defend yourself, sir. I am picking the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defensive line. At one hundred percent, was the reason that the Blue Bombers were still in that game going into the fourth and overtime. They're like the amount of pressure they put on the quarterbacks, the the the, the ability to stop Don Jackson at like pretty much to nothing. It was absurd. You know, it cannot be like it is completely overlooked, uh, but it can absolutely not be overlooked. It, they or the reason that the Blue Bombers won that game and were in the position to win that game. Yeah, because, you know, like, it, like they, they collapsed that pocket so quick against a good O-line, too. You know, the Tiger guys' O-line, it, it's not like it was the BZ's O-line. Or, you know, like it, they had a good O-line, and they collapsed that. And they, you know, they were all over it. The reason Darby got that one pick was because uh, – you know Willie Jefferson tipping it up. You know, like yep. it, like the reason the Blue Bombers won that game was because of their D line, one million percent. You know, the the reason you know uh, Caleros was able to stage that comeback that ultimately won him the MOP was because the D line put them in the position to be there that entire game. And you know, I really believe that the MOP deserved to go to the D line. Yep. I mean, I had a case built for Stephen Richardson. And uh, I think you pretty much hit all the nails on the head. But, I mean, Zach Caleros, and we talked about it throughout the season and especially last week, 
Uh, he he targets so many different receivers. Adams had five. Uh, Bailey three. Wolitarski had four, and mainly in like the, the the second half, fourth quarter, he really came alive. Kenny Lawler three. Nick Dembski with four. Andrew Harris caught two when uh, Caleros was getting hit. That kind of again that offensive scheme that Buck Pierce has put out there for Caleros to execute it against a Hamilton Tiger Cat team that really came after him all game long. That is really impressive when you sit back and you think, wow. He, he did do a lot of really good things throughout that game to keep it close when he needed to, to get them over the finish line. And uh, I think Caleros was a pretty good pick when you look down and you, you think about it. He, he really did deserve that MOP. Yeah, no, for sure. I, you know, not to take away from no. Caleros. Oh, no, no, no. He, he ultimately won them the game, right? Yeah, that, totally. Uh, like, that's, you know, it, and, you know, like he, you know, he was the reason they, he was, they were they were pretty much there in the first place, you know. If, if you look back at not just the game but the actual season too, right? Like totally, he's the reason. Yeah, you know, he's and, but the you, reason. Your defense there. of the D line is a hundred percent spot on too. Like they could have brought all those guys up there and they could have split that award and it would have been yeah. justified. Yeah, no, exactly. So you know, it's it, it's tough in those situations. It's tough to pick a pick a award winner. It generally goes to the quarterback anyway. Like if yep. you look at. Most of the most of the time, it goes to the quarterback. So I don't think anyone's surprised. And you know, and I've said it before: none of those guys play for awards. No, none of those guys care. You no. know what I mean? Like Caleros, Caleros couldn't have, like he couldn't have get that get that awards out of his hands fast enough. He wanted the exactly. he wanted the cup, and he wanted to be with the boys. Same with exactly. Nick Dembski, who was named the top Canadian. Did you yeah. agree with Dembski being top Canadian, or did you have a different pick? Because I have a different pick that you I will defend. That, I do. That's the I, I I thought it was Dembski. I it, not only you know not only did he have a stellar year, uh, he had an unbelievably good year. He was an absolutely crucial part of this offense all year long. Uh, he had a he had a solid game. He had a he had a solid game. He 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 made some very good decisions, um, especially in some times like some people will argue that like some of those sweeps he didn't get many yards, but he fought to get back to the line of scrimmage like. He made some very intelligent and key plays uh, during that game that I think helps put the, the offense into better position. And he scored a touchdown, you know, like it. Um, so I think I, I I believe that that was the right the right pick. I don't know who else I would pick uh, as most outstanding Canadian, to be honest. And it, it's because it's recency bias with with my pick here, but I would have went. With Andrew Harris. Now, had he scored a touchdown, I, I'm, I'm guessing he probably would have gotten it. Dembski did get that touchdown to help Bombers get a little closer. But watching Harris throughout the game, he was stifled on the run. But he was there in pass protection. He took some major shots while trying to defend Caleros. He was an outlet when he needed to be. I mean, he only had three yards catching. But he came up so big in that overtime, controlling that line and pushing back and pushing back. For me, it was Andrew Harris because a lot of the little things that he did, uh, on top of you know running a little bit wild in overtime. For me, it was Andrew Harris. Yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't like I wouldn't argue it too much. The only you know, and and at the end of the day, most of the time those those awards really come down to like stats. Yeah, yeah. Like Like, if Harris scores a touchdown, I'm sure, and Dembski doesn't. It's Harris, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. that's the difference. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. That's, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the thing, and you know, it's kind of like that's why most of these guys don't care because like we when we watch film when we break it down, it's just like all the guys see what Andrew's doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no one's talking about it. No one's talking about how he was in protection 
and how he gave, you know, Caleros an extra two seconds to throw a deep bomb to Darwin. No one's saying that, but, you know, the guys on film are seeing that, you know what I mean? And, and that doesn't, that doesn't, there's no stat for, you know, doing your job and blocking your guy and giving the quarterback extra time. You know what I mean? Like there's no stat for that. Right. So, uh, it's, it's tough, but, uh, you know, that's, and that's kind of exactly why those guys don't really care about the, the awards as much as, you know, some people think. Absolutely. Because it's just, you know, like, it, it, they won the Grey Cup. That yep. was the award they all kind of <laughs> cared about. Totally. Uh, John, do you have an unsung hero from this game? Because there's a guy that I would love to uh, give a shout-out to who just kind of went about his business and you know maybe didn't do enough to be the most outstanding player of this game. But my unsung hero for the Grey Cup, Adam Big Hill. I thought he was absolutely spectacular throughout this game. Like his, his his reads were spot on. He was involved. He was all over the field. I think Adam Big Hill is is maybe one of the most outstanding defensive players in the CFL history. Can okay, but can he really be considered unsung? That is an excellent point because he does get a lot. You're right. He does get a lot of praise, and they did focus on him a lot, but. I think that you know like his stat line doesn't jump out at you, but he was all over the field. Hundred percent, he had like not not to like like he had an amazing game. Like hundred percent, he he was stellar. He did a lot during that game. He made some key hits. He made some hard hits. Uh, you know, he was in the right spots. He he was key in keeping Don Jackson uh, in check and in line. A hundred percent, you know, but. It, Big Hill gets a lot of praise. <laughs> yeah, I just I didn't know how to crowbar him into this conversation without yeah, using like fair. this kind of headline for it. For sure, because yeah, like no, again, sure. that's fair. again, like you said with Andrew Harris, Big Hill just goes out and does his job. Like, yeah. you don't get a stat for being really good at your job. Like you you got to find ways to kind of throw some praise around, and maybe unsung is not. How about um, you know, just just hero of the game? We'll call him. <laughs> for me, it was Adam Big Hill. Yeah, no, that's yeah, one hundred percent. You know, he he, you know, he just does his thing, and that's uh, he, he that guy that guy works hard, and that guy you know puts in the work, and you know him winning defensive player of the year again this year was you know it was great to see, and and he one hundred percent deserved it. There was no one else in the league that was as dominant as him this year. Just like it did not even come close to like to his ability on that field. It was, and then you and you saw it in the Great Cup. And, you know, he probably didn't have as many opportunities in this Grey Cup for the sole reason that I'm 100% guaranteeing the Tiger Cats game plan against him. Yep. Like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> He's the best player in the CFL defensively. Obviously, we're going to game plan against him. So, like, he probably didn't have as many opportunities, which is why his stat line maybe didn't look, like, crazy. He didn't, you know, he didn't have 12 tackles and interceptions because – the Tiger Rats made sure they didn't run directly <laughs> at him. You know, whenever they ran it, it was, like, off tackle. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like, he was still able to get in on a lot of plays. And uh, But even even the, the simple fact of his presence, making them game plan against them and making them change their, what they're going to do around him is a feat in of itself. Yeah. You know, like, that's the thing, like... <clears throat> That's the thing we always talked about, you know. You know, like reporters. I, this is the thing. I sometimes I, I hate reporters so much because they'll be like, "Oh yeah, like you know, this is the best 
um, you know, this is the best run stop defense in the CFL. You know, how are you guys going to adjust? We're not. We're not adjusting. Right. We have the best running back in the CFL. <laughs> we're going to come out. We're going to punch them in the mouth, and that's exactly what we do week after week. Like that's the, like, good teams don't adjust. You play to your strengths. You 100% play to your strengths, and that's the difference. Um, you know, between you don't you don't fold when something happens. Like you make adjustments, but you don't fold. Like you don't stop giving Andrew Harris the football. That's ludicrous. Just because they have a good like, just because they have a good run stop defense, and and it paid dividends. You know, at the end of the game, look what he did. You know what I mean? And, and you know that's is, that's the thing. So you know you got to play your strengths, and, and Hamilton didn't do that, and and. Winnipeg's defense did with Bay Hill, and and you know he was still you know, all over the field, but he just in different ways, right? Yep, absolutely. And again, like you said, the fact that they had the game plan against him alters the game before the coin flip, before they even play it down. It alters exactly. it, and it's that's a really, like you said, a pretty incredible feat. And the Bombers have a few guys that can do that, whether it's Jeff Code or uh, you know Kenny Lawler on offense, whether it's uh, Big Willie Jefferson. There's a number of guys that will really keep coordinators up late at night 100 percent. i would i would hate i would hate the game plan against the the blue bombers in any way (laughs) (laughs) offense defense it doesn't matter i would hate to game plan against them that that, it does not sound enjoyable a couple people ask me if i want to get into coaching i'm just absolutely not (laughs) i do not want it just sounds stressful uh, I will. I'm. I am very content working from home and hanging out with my dogs. Right just now. living the vegan, peaceful life over there, yeah, right? Exactly. You just you know, like all these coaches can leave me alone. I am. I am living. I'm. I'm stress free over here for the most part. Like, so it, it, you know, for these, you, like it would, it would just suck. It would suck. They're too good. Like, yeah. They're just too good. Like, it, what do you do? You you don't like I've said it before. You double team. The, the short side with Darwin and Kenny, and then you leave Rashid, Nick Dembski, and Drew Altarski single team. Okay, have fun. Like you're screwed. You're screwed. Like in any way you look at it, you you try and you try and run away from Jackson Jeffco. Okay, hello Willie Jefferson. <laughs> oh, we'll just run up. We'll run up the middle instead. Avoid both those ends. Oh, hi Adam Bighill <laughs> or Steve Richardson. You know, like you're screwed. Yeah, you're screwed. Any uh, oh, we'll throw. Okay, throw right into. Uh, the two best cornerbacks in the league, uh, Winston Rose, Alford, or, or you're going to throw into the, the hardest hitting safety in the league. Like, yeah. What do you do? Good luck. Like, yeah, it just it, it, it's impossible. You're there's, you're not in a winning scenario any way you look at it. So uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's rough. I would not want to be in that situation. Nope, and uh, it proved true because the Bombers are great Cup champions. Uh, John, a couple more topics before we get into retweet or delete. Uh, your thoughts on the entertainment, uh, the pregame entertainment, the halftime show. What did you think about the musical acts at the Grey Cup this year? It, I know, I know you you're know a big Arkells fan, so. What's that? I know you're a big Arkells fan, so. Yeah, you know what? I uh, The pregame show was um, questionable. Horrible. So, yeah, qu- questionable to say the least. Um <laughs> Not sure what was going on there. Uh, like, I get it. They, he, he had, like, the CFL song of the year yeah. or something. Yeah, like the theme yeah, song. I like the I think yeah. the Rec Laws had it the year you won it in 2019. Yeah, and, you know, so I'm like, okay, like, sure. And, 
you know, whatever. Uh, so I get bringing him, but at the same time, I'm like, did anybody bother checking to see what he sounds like live before you invited him out? Or <laughs> what's the, you know, like, I feel like that probably should have happened at least once. My favorite uh, part was um, when they, after he's done, they played the recorded version of his song oh, right yeah. after. And it's like, oh, that's, that's, you shouldn't have done that. You should have cut yeah. to like a, a commercial of Santa or something. Oh boy. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, that one's, that one's rough. And, you know, I did, so like it didn't, Set, like a great tone no um and and to be honest that i you know and not just the entertainment that those hype videos suck yeah like, the hype videos on tsn were brutal they used like they used um like actors in like blank shirts and like blank jerseys as like b-roll in those and i'm like i'm like bro why didn't you guys just use footage from the season like what yeah the heck is going on and the, like, like, these hype videos are brutal the thing is as someone who works in like promotions and and creating that stuff to have a week to make something would be yeah. like unbelievable like usually a lot of that stuff like you think about what the nhl players do or what baseball uh promo uh people have to do they do it in hours if maybe a day like you have got a full week to make yeah. this unbelievable and yeah they dropped the ball they 100% did, and, and, like, you know, you look at the, you look at, like, you know, what what the Blue Bomber social media does, yeah. and, like, the the stuff they've put out, and I'm like, bro, why didn't you just use this? Like, yeah. this is way freaking better. Yeah. Like, this is a really good hype video. Like, the one from the West Final was, like, stellar, and then you see the one TSN put on TV, and I'm like, I was just sitting there like flabbergasted. I'm like, this doesn't get me hyped at all. It, like, this makes me not want to watch the game. Actually, like, yep. And then they followed it, it up it, with that entertainment, and it's like, oh my. Yeah, I was like, okay, what is? I'm like, this is your over two TSN. Yeah. Like, and again, it's oh. not fair to compare the CFL to the NFL, and and I hate doing it, but from production standpoint, like the whole week leading up, and then the hype videos leading into the game. Like they're not even close, and that they've set the bar, and the CFL continuously limbo's underneath it. So, here's the thing: like, yeah, you can't. You're like it's it's hard because the money's not there. But with something like a hype video, that doesn't cost a lot of money to make. No, you know what I mean? Like you need, you just need footage from the season, and you need a narrator. It's probably like the the least. Uh, especially when you have a week to do it, it's probably the, the least you know expensive thing you have going on that. Week. <laughs> totally, you know what I mean. Like that one is like the one thing that's easy to get right. Yeah, and that you can compare to the NFL because it's easy. It's easy. like the Blue Marbles do it on like almost a weekly basis on yes. their social media. You have you know CFL I mean? top ten plays of the month. You can find plays from the teams in the in the Grey Cup. You can put a song in the background, you can edit it together, and even with a little bit of narration from the guys, the players themselves, it can t- it can be done in a day. It can be done in a day. It's, 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 shoot, give it to me. I'll do it. <laughs> like, I'd do it. It's not hard. It's, it's not. I, I promise you. I have, you know, I have Premiere Pro on my computer. I can do it. Absolutely not difficult at all. That is one thing you 100% can compare yep. to the NFL. You, you can, because... It it's not that hard. No, the like, technology is there for both sides. The money's not. It's it's about time. It's about effort, and it's about caring enough about your product to put 100%. the time and effort into it. 
That's 100% it. Yeah. They just didn't care enough to do it. Nope. And yeah, I know, they, I guarantee you, if you did a hype video, there would be there would have been a video of Bone in, in one jersey and Bailey in the other at some point. Well, I know it would have been. Uh, of course. Yeah, of I course. Mean, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Duh. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, TSN just didn't care. But the halftime show, I will admit, uh, I am an Ark House fan. Um, but I did actually think the halftime show was good. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's actually... Way better than the pregame. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, they lowered the bar there for sure. But it was it was entertaining. The horn section I thought was awesome. The collaborations with the with the Lumineers I thought was really cool. But for just sure. yeah. just the way he sounded, you know, he it wasn't like he was live. Uh, sorry, recorded. You could tell he was live, but he sounded pretty pretty good given that he's outside in the cold. And you know what I mean? Yeah. No. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. You know, I think a lot of people forget is that it was still like a couple. It was a couple degrees negative out there. Like, it's not <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like it's not like it was like a hot summer day. It was December. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it was it was warmer during the day, but when the sun goes down, it's uh, pretty chilly, and uh, it, that's not. It's not an easy thing to do. No, you know, just to go outside <laughs> and sing. But, in front uh, of thirty-five thousand people yeah. in the stadium and millions of people at home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean. So like, it, yeah. So like that's uh. You know, he, and he, I've seen I've seen him live. I've seen that band live before in a small venue in Buffalo, and and they knock they knock it out of the park. They're like they're a really fun band to see live. You know, they 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 have incredible stage presence. They interact and engage the like the crowd and stuff like that. They're 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 fun. Uh, they're a fun band to see live. And, and you know what? They're like they're from Hamilton, uh, so it was in Hamilton to have them there. Yeah, I, I liked it. You know, yeah. I thought it was cool. I, I heard, thought it was uh, a cool story. I heard rumblings after or during the pregame after the after the halftime show that they were they wanted to go out in Hamilton Tiger Cats jerseys and the CFL told them no. Now I, I cannot a hundred percent confirm that's true, but would you have had an issue with that if they did go out in Hamilton jerseys at some point? No, that's stupid. Like, yeah, that that that's I'm pretty sure like that's. Like that's super stupid. Like <laughs> I think bands do that all the or yeah, bands do that literally all the time. Yes, like they go to Toronto, they wear a Maple Leafs jersey. They come to Winnipeg, they yeah. wear a Jets jersey. Like yeah, like like what you, like and they're and like bro, they're from Hamilton. Like yeah. they literally went to McMaster. Like all those guys grew up in Hamilton. Like they're they're homers. Like what do you mean? Like that? Like the half the point with having them there was because they're from Hamilton. Exactly. Why would you not put them in Hamilton jerseys? Yeah, like, and if you want, like they're biased, like yeah, bro, it's the musical performance. Who cares if they're biased? Absolutely. Like, if you're that, that concerned about it, get get a musician from Winnipeg or get a singer from Winnipeg to join them for half a song and come out in a bomber jersey. Yeah, yeah, like literally, like like that's yeah, that's if that's true, like that's stupid, like yeah. that, like they and then but then they the one thing I didn't like was having the lead singer on the. TSN broadcast in the fourth. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, because they usually, first of all, usually they do that in like the first. Yeah, uh, like and an inconsequential point of the game. Like it's just, yeah, we're killing some time here, so and so, because exactly. these guys are going three yeah. and out for a second consecutive series. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. You can kind of shoot the, you know, shoot it with each other, and then you know you can, <clears throat> you can like kind of talk with the upcoming act. Act, get people hyped about it, et cetera, et cetera. In the fourth, you know, it's crucial. It's like do or die time. They're taking away, like TSN was taking away from 
uh, they were like broadcasting him instead of the on-field play. Yep. I'm like, bro, show me the field. I don't care about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm watching the football game here. Like, and for the record, like, he was watching it too. He did not oh, want to talk about himself. He wanted to watch football. Hundred percent, and that's what that's what. And like every time the play started, he'd be like, "Oh, looks like we gotta go." Yeah, and like he was trying to get out of it. So yeah, I, I had respect for him, but like TSN, like what the heck were you thinking yeah. doing that? Like that was atrocious. Yeah, and like cut like so dumb. Cut away from a commercial, you know. Do it like you can t- you can pause for from a commercial break or make the players take an extended ninety second timeout. So you can talk to him about you know what it's like and and just be done with it. But yeah, not in the play with Hamilton marching, no less. Do you want to be distracted? And and it was just it was tough. It was tough for everybody, and I think it was tough for for Max to have to deal with it too. No, hundred percent. Yeah, it was just it was all around just poorly executed, and and you, you hate to see it, but you know it you know it is what it is, and you, you, yeah, it was just. But uh, but the halftime show was very good. Yeah, <laughs> I will I will give him that. The halftime right. show was very good. Last three things before we get to retweet or delete because I got you a little riled up and now I really want to just push you over the edge. <laughs> the panel of Jim Barker oh. and Bo Levi Mitchell. <sighs> just I'm just gonna so much. I'm just gonna let it hold it in the air. Just just have at it. <laughs> it just uh, it's like it's okay. So, like, I get it. I get who Jim Barker is. I get who Bo Levi Mitchell is. But, like, you're pandering to an audience that's already fans. You're, like, and, like, what did these two guys add? Nothing. Not a whole lot. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I watched them, and I'm like, okay, these are just terrible talking points that you're kind of being fed right now. But, like, this is boring. It, um, I think it literally I mean? is to have their names involved in the broadcast. I, I 100% agree with that and that, and, that, and that's my issue with it is like you're pandering to an older demographic by having these guys on it. It's like man, you guys should be putting more entertaining people on, letting people build their brands and 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 here's here's like where it's like I mean, I've complained about TSN not having current and former guys on the broadcast uh, in general. And so, like, it's like, well, like, people are going to be like, well, like, now that they have them, you're going to complain again. It's just like, it's like, yeah, because put someone on that's actually entertaining. Like, put someone on that has, like, a personality that can, like, break down the game. And, you know, they put Natea J on um, on the radio. Yep. And, and I'm just like, man, put him on TV. That guy is seriously good at what he does. He is a great personality, a great voice, wildly entertaining to listen to. Why is he not on that panel? He is great. You know, he is so good at what he does. And I'm like, you put him on rate like the like the AM radio station. I'm just like, man, what the heck were you were you guys thinking there? And you know, there are guys that do it and that do it very well. And like Natea J doesn't have the the name Bo Levi does. I get it, but like. How do you no get that? How do you get that? that off the field? Is is you got to put him in situations to succeed, and you, well, you got to put exactly him in it. situations that where his name can get out there. Well, that's exactly it. And here's the thing: like no one my age knows who Bo Levi Mitchell is. No one does. No one cares. So like regardless, like and no one is and and Jim Barker, oh, bro. Like I barely know who that guy is. You know what I mean? And I played. You know, like so you're literally pandering 
to an aging demographic when we need to be pandering to a younger demographic. And that's exactly not what you guys are doing here. And it's, it's so frustrating to see year after year. How, and, then, and then I saw the, the ratings declined again this year. You know, they were, the viewership was down 30%. And then people were going to be like, oh, yeah, the CFLs, you know, it's on its way out. It's like, bro, it's because you guys make terrible decisions year after year. Like, it, without fail, you guys continue to make these just terrible decisions. Yep. That like like fans are telling you what they want, and you're just ignoring them. Yep, like, and it's just like, bro, what is like? Why? Why are you guys like this? CFL why, is the why? league of missed opportunities, and it it, were, it was in, encapsulated in this Grey Cup. Like, if you want to look at one game as to what the CFL just doesn't understand, I think yeah, you could look at this Grey Cup. Everything taken away because that was one of the best games in CFL history. And oh, yeah. and yet we're getting riled up about a couple of guys on the panel that probably shouldn't be there because as bomber fans, you, I can tell. I'll speak on behalf of bomber fans. I don't care about Bo Levi, Bo Levi Mitchell's opinion. He's inconsequential to what is happening right now. And I'm like, I'm with you. I think Jim Barker is a great coach back in the day. Don't know what he's doing on the panel now. Give Milt Stegall more time. Give that panel more time because I thought I thought Kate Burness did a great job hosting all year long. I thought she was fantastic. That panel is entertaining and smart. Give them more time. Yeah, no, it, exactly. And, and give them more time or get more entertaining younger guys in. Chris Strevler. Do something else. Like Chris, you said. That's the thing. Like, we talked about it. You know, you have you, – why would you not bring Chris Strevler back? Like, are you kidding me? Or, or not, like, bring him back, but have him video in. Yeah. Like, are you – I'm like, are you for real right now? That is, like, the most – like basically famous guy in recent CFL history and you didn't even reach out to him to try and get him on that broadcast. Yep. Yeah. Like he was the face of the 2019 gray cup and you didn't even get him on the broadcast once. Like, bro, what were you guys thinking? Like absolutely. What were you like? And it's just like, it's so frustrating to see because like, because people my age, no Chris Trevor. <laughs> People my age don't know Bully by Mitchell or Jim Barker. No. Nope. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just like, it's like, oh, my God, it's so frustrating. I, I think, I think personally, this is a hot take, but I think the CFL needs to either get out of the TSN deal or they need to be like, hey, okay, we're going to split the rates with, uh, like, CBC or, uh, like, Sportsnet or we're going to split the rates with somebody else. Yeah. Because we need we need someone else on this as well. It's ridiculous that they only have one person uh, showing all of the the CFO games. The fact that they don't even have it on uh, DAZN, like D A Z N, that streaming service, yep. is another huge drop opportunity that we could get into. I can't believe you know they didn't stream the game on that, but whatever. Um, they but the CFL needs to because the the, the simple fact of the matter is. The TSN just doesn't care about the CFL. Nope. There's no money in it for them. They they just don't care, and you can see it in their production value. They're like, oh, well, Levi Mitchell, sure, you know, well, you know, he's a great quarterback. We'll yep. throw him in. It's just like here's five oh, grand. Go here for the day. Exactly. And oh, oh, this hype video with guys in black jerseys that we filmed at the start of the season, so we could save costs and not have to refilm it late in the season. 
perfect. That'll work, and no one will notice that in the Grey Cup. Like you can, you can tell that you're just, they just. It's not that they don't have the ability to do it; they just don't care to do it. Yep. You know and, what I mean? Like that, and that's kind of where, um, that's kind of like where it lies down to, and that's why, uh, like I think that the CFL needs to get away from TSN or at least branch out to another service to put some pressure on TSN to do better. Absolutely. it's just not working. Nope. When, uh, like when you said, when the Bombers PR team themselves are doing better than, than TSN for the Grey Cup, that's a problem. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yep. You know, so, it, you know, it's, you know, it's tough to see. It sucks. It, you know, it sucks to see as a, as a player, as a fan, you know, you just, you hate to see it, but uh, it's, you know, it is what it is at this point. That's above my pay grade, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe one day, maybe next year, they'll let us make some more decisions. <laughs> yeah, there you go. In the meantime, let's get back to some more positive things uh, before we close out this uh, this first season of Bombs Away with John Rush. John, the parade is probably the next big event, and uh, you've been a part of it. You're probably going to head down to this version of it as well. What is the parade like? And uh, just take us through what fans can maybe expect when uh, they do start rolling through the streets of Winnipeg with the Grey Cup. Is it is it a parade this year? I don't know. I, I was hoping I, you would know. I, well, the only thing I've seen is that it's going to be at the stadium. Oh, so maybe so, maybe they're just doing like something a little bit on the safer side, eh? Yeah, I think so. So I think they're just, from what I've seen, is it's just kind of at the stadium. Everyone's showing up at like 6 o'clock, and I'm sure they'll have, like, they'll be on the field, and everyone will kind of be in the stand. I bet uh, you there'll be a real, really I bet you there'll be a really sweet hype video. Yeah, I, I actually don't doubt that in the slightest. Yep. Uh, I 100% bet you there will be a sweet hype video. Um, so, so I think this year it's a little bit different because of you know, obviously everything going on. Um, but I, I like uh, I vividly remember you know waking up and you know at this point I was absolutely just super freaking hungover uh, at this point because it was like we did our parade on Tuesday um, so like we went on Sunday flew back the next day and then the, the, the day after that was the the parade you know like we did not sober up in the slightest at that point um, so I remember waking up and we, we got bus down so we had to show up at the stadium at like 9 o'clock we're all sitting on the bus we all got bus down to downtown um, downtown on like Hargrave Street um, and we're we're sitting on the buses and and all these like trucks and stuff start pulling up beside us so we could go down on them and like there wasn't like many people around us you couldn't really see anything and we were kind of just like sitting there and like everyone was kind of like not miserable but like you know like <laughs> we've been partying for two days it's like nine o'clock in the morning we're like man I just want to go back to bed like, yeah a couple like, more hours of sleep might have been good yeah would have been good right but uh, but then uh, uh, I remember thinking I'm like man, I really hope people show up to this. It's like Tuesday at like, I don't know, like 11 <laughs> o'clock. Like, you know, like a really weird time <laughs> to be having a parade. You know, I'm just like, and I just remember seeing, being there like, man, you know how awkward this is going to be if we're just sitting on these trucks and there's like a couple hundred people. You know what I mean? I was just like sitting there like, because, because we couldn't see anything. You know, we we were on Hargrave, so, you know, Portage was like three blocks up, but no one was there yet. Like no one was like right in front of Hargrave because they'd been blocked off at that point. So like when we when you look down to to Portage, you couldn't see anything. So we were just sitting there, and I'm just like, man, this is gonna be like 
like, I just really hope this isn't weird. Like, and then like when you turn that corner, there was just like a sea of like thousands of fans. Um, it was, it was insane. Like it was like, I was like, Oh my geez. Like this, I did not think this many people would be here, uh, on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like that, uh, that it was, it was absurd. It was absolutely absurd. So, uh, for like, it just goes to show you that the, the community here and how much, uh, they really love sports <laughs> and how much they wanted that. Like that was, and I loved how the guys always say, uh, kept reiterating. It's a provincial, this is for the province. This is a provincial win. This is for everybody in Manitoba. Like they, they may be called the Winnipeg blue bombers, but I really believe that they believe they're the Manitoba blue bombers. No, a hundred percent, and 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 really, like, that was one of the things that when we won it in 2019, we specifically we specifically said, you know, this is what we're doing. This is uh, we're gonna bring this to the rest of the province, and we, that's what we did. You know, I went to Kenora with it. I went to Flin Flon the Paw. I went to Thompson. Uh, I went to you know, I went to you know Steinbach, um, Selkirk. You know, we 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 try to bring it to as many places in the province as possible. To and I know Kenora is not in the province, but it, you know it kind of. You, you know what? Yeah, we know we're we're here. I'm it, here in southeastern Manitoba. Kenora is yeah. pretty much yeah. Yeah, we, it's we, more we, Manitoban kind of, than Ontario. I'll tell you. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's Manitoba. You know what I mean? So, um, and it, it was crazy. You know, bring it, bring in the, bring in this cup around to all these places uh it was you know i got to hear all these stories from all these different people and you know you know we had we had people in kenora telling uh you know telling me that you know oh we've been season ticket holders for you know 25 years i'm like bro you live in kenora what are you talking about and they're like yeah we drive in every you know every friday saturday game and i'm like dang bro like that's crazy like that's some like that's crazy you know what i mean so it really is you know, it really is, you know, Manitoba's team. You yeah. know what I mean? It's called, you know, it's called the Winnipeg Blue Bars, but it really is Manitoba's team. And, you know, it was, it's really, it's really cool to be a part of a community like that. Absolutely. A um, couple more things before we wrap up here. Um, I, I know it's it's like the Bombers just get win the Grey Cup. I know that the celebration is still going on. But just from a business standpoint, John, what comes next for this team? And what do some of the players have over the next couple of weeks? Like, does it go back to uh, business as usual for, for Walters and Coach O'Shea? Or or what kind of happens over the next little bit? Do the guys get a break and then have to start dealing with things like negotiations and free agency and all that? Kind of what comes next after the celebrations are kind of in the rearview mirror? Uh, I mean, like, it certainly, especially this year, it'll be a, a lot different because it is, uh, it is a shortened off-season. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it, you know, if everything goes well, the season will start in June like it normally should. So that means training camp will start in May, which means we basically have five months till training camp. You know, generally when you have seven-ish months, if you, depending, you know, where you go in playoffs, right, which is a, a huge difference. You know, you have, because, you know, next week is holidays. So, like, this week you're celebrating the Grey Cup. Next week's the holidays. So you're not doing anything till early January at the the very earliest. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you really have you know a true five months to get everything going. So uh, you know I it, this year's a little tough because you know when we went in 2019 it was like the normal schedule. So we you know we we had fun for like a month. <laughs> like, we 
we we had a lot of fun for like a, a good solid month there, like three weeks. You know, I, I uh, my girlfriend at the time was pretty upset with me. I'm not gonna. Lie. <laughs> she was she was not she was not happy. My ex girlfriend was very mad. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was not happy with what what uh, with that. It was uh, yeah, it was it was rough. Uh, but uh, you know, you know, I you know, I'd worked seventeen years straight for that exact situation. Yeah, like there I, needs I, to I be a little understanding, and I and yeah. any guy or you know any athlete, male or female, can relate to you. Any sports fan, male or female, can relate to you. And uh, yeah, yeah. So, exactly, right. So yeah, it, it, you know. W- w- like it's so like this year it's a little bit different because like last year we had a lot more actual time to enjoy it, where this year like it's it's difficult you know it's a difficult position to kind of be in uh, because you know yeah you have you have your week this week next week is holiday so presumably like most guys are going to get out of town yeah know, like they're going to be gone in the gone. next three days right like you know I've been talking to some of the guys are like yeah we might stay till Saturday but you know like you know they got wives and kids like yeah. they, they, they're like, oh, we want to celebrate and stay, but like, it's the holidays. Like, yeah. you know, the 18th, that's one week from Christmas. That's, that's tough. Yep. You know, you've already been away from your family for six months. You know, that's tough. What do you, what do you, you know, what do you do at that point? So, and uh, you know, you know, it, even just thinking different. about like, not just the holidays, guys who maybe are banged up and need surgery and are going to need oh. months to recover from certain procedures. Like they need to go and get that stuff sorted out now especially in the States. No, exactly. No, exactly. Right. Yeah. With the short and off season. So, you know, this year it's a little bit different. They, they got to put a little bit, uh, you know, kind of a warp speed on the, on the whole, you know, enjoying the gray cup and kind of getting back to work. So uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, cause like, yeah, like last, last in 2019, we, we basically had two months to kind of figure everything out and, and then get back to work. And this, this time they might have two weeks. From you know, a fans so from a fans point of view though, I'm I'm looking forward to that because you get right back into football talk and then all of a sudden the rumblings start coming up about contracts and guys resigning and guys that uh you know, maybe moving on and, and so so on and so forth. You got the draft coming up. I mean, like there's a lot of stuff to keep football fans pretty excited and uh, once again the Blue Bombers social media team does a great job keeping their fans informed and entertained at the same time. Yeah, no, that, that's you know that's one of the things that the the Blue Bombers really do that uh, is great because that's one of the things that's going to help continue to grow the game, especially with people like my age, you know, the younger generation, uh, is the social media aspect of it. You know what I mean? Is they have to be on social media, and they have to be good at it, right? Yeah. Uh, because that's what that's what appeals to the younger generation, right? Absolutely, so it's great. You know, it's great having that here, and and you know, having that team here that, and that, you know, and, and it translates, you know what I mean? And that's the thing I don't understand why other teams and other, you know, the, the league's not really taking a chapter from their book is it translates. We have the best fans in the CFL and like, and, and we are, the, we also are the only team that's replacing our aging demographic with younger fans. No one else is doing that. Like, like what's not clicking with, you know, with the CFL that the, like, you have to change your tactics in order to appeal to a younger audience. Well, you know, to me, it's it's very similar to our discussions where teams are are being selfish, taking penalties, and that comes from the coach. I believe that the problems with the CFL start at the top, and there needs to be some some serious changes 
at the top before the CFL can get on board with where it needs to go. And like you said, that's to a younger generation. Well, yeah. And, I mean, the guys take a whole other discussion. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's just, you know, we've gone, in my my time in the CFL, we've gone through three commissioners. So, uh, you know, maybe it's not the commissioners. I think it's the owners. I really do. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've got three billionaire owners in the CFL. People that say there's no money in the CFL are lying. Yeah. They're absolutely lying. These billionaire owners use their CFL teams as tax write-offs. They don't actually care about growing the team. And that, that, that's wherein lies the bigger problem with everything is they, they don't actually generally care about growing the league that much. No. Because they don't really want to see it that successful. No, because, because then, like you said, they and, more taxes. and you've posted this on social media, if the league becomes more successful, the talent is going to want guaranteed contracts, and they're going to want to get paid uh, to come and play here the way that they should and, and have long deserved to be. So, yeah, like you, you're, you've hit the nail on the head a number of times throughout the year. So, you know, it's, you know and, and like we said, that's, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, like that's, it, an, that's it, an off-season discussion. Yeah, and it'll be interesting because this is a CBA year, right? Yeah. So, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens in uh, you know in this off season with the CBA because that's a whole other discussion. Because you know, I I was a part of the CBA uh, CBA discussion too, and last time they went on strike. So yep, yeah, uh, it'll be uh, it'll be and 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 this year I can guarantee you know they're talking about you know making it four down. Oh goodness! I guarantee you, they're talking about changing the ratio, and I guarantee they're going to talk about um, lowering pay again. Yeah, and and they're and they're going to use the pandemic as a, as an excuse, and you know, it, so it, it'll be interesting. Yep. It'll be oh, interesting yeah. to see uh, to see how this is going to kind of play out in the end here with uh, with the CB. It's a CBA year. It's a shortened off season. It it going to be a it's going to be an interesting five months absolutely sure. and i'm probably the next time we will do something like this might be around the cba if you're game for it we'll have to see what the next couple of months bring i know that you got a lot of stuff going on at least according to your twitter it seems like you're awfully busy and that's where we'll go now one final edition of retweet or delete and uh once again john you've had yourself quite a little bit of time just throwing out random thoughts that pop into your head and it's always entertaining a couple of ones that stand out uh, retweet or delete. I can confidently state that chickpeas in the instant pot are at least ten times better than from a can. Yeah, no, re- retweet one hundred percent. Here's the thing: I love chickpeas. Chickpeas are uh, one of my favorite like beans, and I like I eat them out of a can literally all the time. Like, like <laughs> that's your like, snack. Like that's like frequently. my bag of chips is your chickpeas. Is what you're saying? Basically, yes. <laughs> um, How did you become an like, athlete and I didn't? I we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like I love chickpeas, and I've never made them in an instant pot because instant pots scare the heck out of me. <laughs> uh, but they, uh, what do we call it? But I just I decided to you know uh, kind of go with it this time and and figure it out and see and i tried them and i'm like oh man these are way better the only problem is is they're like way more it takes like a lot more you gotta like soak them overnight and uh you know and make them in an instant pot you can't just crack open a can of them and a lot of prep work uh, yeah a lot of prep work so uh is it worth it 
debatable. Would, if, yeah, if, if I did it again, I would make significantly more of them. <laughs> Fair like, enough. I would just make a bigger thing, but definitely a retweet. If you, if you have an instant pot, highly recommend trying it. Retweet or delete. Might mess around and open the kid debate on my Instagram stories again tonight. You did that uh, a couple of days ago. Retweet or delete that at John Rush thirty yeah. two on Twitter. I might delete that one because uh, <laughs> yeah, people are just always upset with me when I talk about not wanting to have kids. Uh, <laughs> they always they they're always just mad at me uh, for that for some reason. Uh, I don't know why. I don't. But, I, it's uh, something like nobody else's business. But you you literally asked for it. You, oh yeah, this time I asked for it. But uh, yeah, I definitely should have uh, probably just not open that one back up that was probably just that was probably one of the ones where i was like ah you know what i probably shouldn't have tweeted that. <laughs> here we are retweet or delete everyone loves to dunk on hufflepuff but the one true hogwarts champion is a hufflepuff and he'd still be alive today if it weren't for that dickhead harry potter uh a hard retweet hard retweet i am a proud hufflepuffian and um i will stand by that statement until the day i die um Harry Potter, like, I get it. His name is the series. Like, I get it. Uh, but hear me out. He sucks. <laughs> He's actually the worst. He brings so, like, everyone's like, yeah, he's the chosen one. Yeah, he's chosen to suck. Like, all he does is get his friends killed. Like, I would hate to be around this guy, uh, like, at all. Like, he, he, just, he just sucks. Uh, and, you know, it's... And everyone always is like, oh, I want to be a Gryffindor. I'm like, oh, man, you're, if you say you want to be a Gryffindor, like, whatever. Like, so you want to be pretentious? That's all they are. Like, they're like, they're like the people that just, like, think they're better than everyone else. That's who, like, Gryffindor, Gryffindorians are. You know what I mean? Like, that, like, so I'm like, congratulations on that, like, question mark. Like, I'm, I'm not really sure, like, how I should receive that. Like, Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff is just like in the background. We kind of just do our own thing. Like we're loyal, we're witty. Like we're kind of we kind of just like hang out and uh, and like mind our own business. And like and then Gryffindor comes along. You know what Gryffindor Gryffindors are? They're like those like bully jocks in high school. And that's what exactly who Gryffindor is. And like Hufflepuff is just like the like the kind of like chill like nerdy kids that like mind their own business. And like Gryffindor like makes fun of for no reason. Yeah, that, that, that's probably like the best way to describe it. Uh, and literally, I was watching the Goblet of Fire the other day, and, and the Hogwarts champion is a Hufflepuff. You know, Cedric Diggory, Hufflepuff. Yeah, because he's a baller. Absolute baller. And, it, like, and if Harry Potter didn't get involved in that whole bet, Cedric Diggory would have literally won the Triwizard Tournament. And it's, you know, it's crazy that uh, you know, Harry Potter got him killed. You know, it's it just I will never forgive him for that. You know, and and everyone wants to praise Harry Potter. I'm like, bro, what did he even do? You know, like he like he didn't do much. He got his friends killed, it, and you know, it, Hermione it, Granger could have taken on Voldemort. You know, <laughs> and that like Harry Potter was inconsequential to the story. And I know it's named after him, but it really shouldn't have been. It you know, fascinates that, me what gets you riled up. It really is sometimes. Uh, well, it just. It, <laughs> crazy dude it's great i just got a couple more because i hear uh that you're being summoned for some reason i'm sure the dogs need a little attention but i do have a couple more here retweet or delete at john rush 32 on twitter how do we feel about snickerdoodles did you end up getting an answer to that i know a lot of people responded to you yeah i i think uh i think it's 
positive. I, from what I can tell, the, uh, the, the, you know, some people are not a fan, but the overwhelming response was positive. Uh, so, you know, I might have to make them. I, I don't think I've even ever eaten a snickerdoodle before, personally. It's, to be honest, I'm like I'm trying to like like actually think about it, and I don't think I've ever actually eaten a snickerdoodle. Um, so I'll, I, I might have to try and make them, I guess. But uh, but yeah, I, I think from what I can tell, it's positive. Uh, I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that one, but I think people like snickerdoodles. I would agree. Uh, let's before we close out our, our final episode of the year, uh, we'll end on this because it's the holiday season, and I think it's such an important message. And I and I know you're going to double down on it. Uh, hi, if you buy a puppy as a Christmas present and then abandon them shortly after the holidays, you're a piece of garbage. And I changed the word at the end, but I think the sentiment stays the same. Uh, just I know that's a hard hard retweet, so just. I'll give you the floor to just talk a little bit about shelters across Manitoba, animal rescue, especially dogs, and and uh, this time of year, I'll just I'll just open it up to you and John. You have your say. Yeah, no, for sure, and yeah, um, I, that like you said, hard retweet. Uh, I don't I don't mince my words on my uh, social media, uh, and I know it gets me into some trouble sometimes, and and some people don't like it. When I say things like that, but uh, you know that's that's just who I am. That's just I, I you know I, I I say it, I say things that I believe in, and I say it with my chest. I'm not afraid to uh, say those say that kind of stuff. And 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 here's the thing with people, I didn't really realize you know how much of an issue this was. Like I was like, oh, that doesn't really happen until I started working with shelters and and working with rescues, and they say that after the holidays. They like you know uh, in the weeks after the holidays, you know January, February, they receive hundreds, hundreds of animals, bunnies, it's, and it, you know I, I my 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 tweet was about puppies, yeah. but it, it's not just puppies, you know it's puppies, it's kittens, it's bunnies, it's guinea pigs, it's it's all it's it's, it's all these animals, all these animals people buy without you know a, a lot of times they buy them for like their kids or, or a spouse without consulting anybody not realizing how much work they are and then in the end the it's the animal that suffers because that the animal ends up in a in a you know in, in a shelter and you know for so many reasons this is a terrible decision one you're you're getting them during the busiest time of the year so you can give them literally zero attention when they need the most amount of attention it's just you're starting out garbage like you're just starting out at a, a terrible situation and then you don't really know what you're getting yourself into you're gonna, like let me tell you if you're a responsible dog owner or responsible you know pet you know adopter or, or owner or anything like that you're not you're not getting an animal on a whim no like, that's not how it works no like you don't you don't just do that you know what i mean so you're you're already on strike too and then you know and then you're traveling because it's the holidays so there's a good chance you're this, uh, you know, this animal's gonna, gonna like, um, you know, turn turn not great because yeah. you're not giving it the training it needs, and and then and then it just goes downhill. You know what I mean? And they end up in a shelter, uh, and it's not fair to them, especially in Manitoba in the the winter months when the shelters are already full because of all the stray dogs 
that cannot survive outdoors end up in shelters, which is great. You know, that that's amazing. Um, so, uh, because it's so cold out here, all these stray dogs end up in shelters and, and fill up these shelters. And that's, you know, that's a whole different conversation, but it's, but then, but then, you know, you have all these people that buy these Christmas animals and then are trying to dump them off on the shelters as well. Uh, it, and the shelters are just overflowing and it's just, it's not fair to the people that volunteer at the shelters. It's not fair to the animals. Uh, you're just, it, it's kind of like that guy that hit Winston Rose in the back. It's a completely selfish, selfish decision. You're not thinking about anybody but yourself when you're making this decision. Uh, and and it, it can't continue. We can't just continue to do these things where, you know, other people are suffering because of your selfish, selfish decision. You know, these, these shelters are already overflowing. You know, don't make someone else's life harder because you want a cute puppy on Christmas just to abandon it three months later. That is really, really well put. Uh, we'll wrap up with this. Did you literally just tweet while you were talking? Like, was I asking you a question and you tweeted out, look how happy Bailey is to share her vegan oh, egg no. McMuffin recipe with all of you? Did you literally no. tweet that while I was talking? Uh, no, that's, I have, uh, there's certain, there's certain tweets that I have on, uh, um, like an automatic timer that, uh, like the, a lot of the recipe, uh, a lot of the recipe tweets are just set to go out automatically because it's, uh, because uh, if you go if you go to like my if you go I think that one went out, out to Facebook too, uh, it just it automatically pushes them out for me. So I, it's like one last thing I have to like think about. <laughs> okay, that so, makes I would have still yeah. been very impressed had you been able to tweet that out while I was asking you a question and then you answer yeah. the question so so well, uh, John. Yeah, that that is that is great. That's a great way to end it. Uh, thank you so much for this year again. Follow him on Twitter at JohnRush32 on Instagram at JohnRush5. John, what a fantastic year. It ends in a championship. We broke down every single game we talked every week. Uh, just on behalf of all of us, myself, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Thank you so much for sharing your wonderful insights and your thoughts throughout the year. And uh, I, I just wish you all the, the best going forward, and I hope that our paths can cross again and we can maybe talk more football and, and maybe do something like this on an even bigger scale down the road. But just thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Uh, this this yeah. whole season, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Like I said, you know, I, there's not I don't get I don't get a lot of opportunity to talk uh, football anymore. And uh, you know, I I do love the game as much as sometimes I do uh, do harp on the CFL. I do I do love the game a lot. And uh, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you giving me the time here to to speak my mind and and talk football and and, and voice my opinions because. Uh, like I said, I don't get uh, I don't get a lot of opportunity nowadays to do that, and it's always it's always fun for me to to be able to talk football. Yeah, the quick backstory is I actually met you when you did some work with the Steinbach and Area Animal Rescue, and then at the mm-hmm. start of the season, I reached out to you to see if you wanted to talk football. And actually, another media outlet had done the same thing, and then they blew you off when they found out that you weren't actually with the Bombers anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was rough. That was uh, that was a, a rough time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what? I stuck. Yeah, yeah. I stuck with you, John, and we got this whole thing done. And uh, you know, I'm just going to pat myself on the back for for bringing you along here the last little while. And thanks for teaching me so much about the game of football that I thought I knew. I learned so much more from you. So thanks for doing that, and uh, I do appreciate the time. And and I, it meant a lot that you you gave so much of your time. So thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. The Country 107 Morning Show with Dave Anthony. Weekday mornings only on Country 107.